if you are putting work out there, um, if it can prompt people to ask questions or, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm curious to know more about what inspired this or who the artist was or whether you're an artist or anything in, in the world, just, um, I know that our actions, whether it's art, whether it's just, you know, being in the world and, and stuff like that, just always knowing that you're representing, representing Christ, you're representing the church. All right, welcome everyone to the Orthodox Christian Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Presbytera Catherine Tussing. And for everyone who is listening or watch, watching Presbytera Catherine, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself, maybe explain what that title Presbytera means, and uh, tell us what you spend your time doing. Hi there, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, awesome to chat with you today. Um, my name is Presbytera Catherine Tussing. I also go by Pres Katie. Um, and I am a wife to my husband, Father Steve, and I'm um, a mom of four teens, tweens, three teens and one tween. Um, and I'm an artist and I uh, spend my time making art, um, managing a, my small uh, business, uh, it's an Etsy shop, and um, uh, taking long walks with my dog and just sort of taking care of my family and going to church and and everything. It's a busy life. It's a, it's, my kids are at a very, very busy age. So lots of driving around, but, but yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And so uh, Presbyteria, it is sort of like the female form of yes, presbyter. So and so in right. Greek, uh, the pastor is the presbyter. And so if anyone's wondering what that Presbyteria means, it means you're yes. married to a priest. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot to explain that. Yes. Um, it just means, um, yeah, the, the wife of a priest, I guess, in the translation to Greek would be, um, yeah, presbyter is like a presbyter's wife. I, I don't, yeah, so it's, um, I know in different, in different jurisdictions, uh, priest's wife is called different things, matushka or korea, um, uh, popadia, but in, in Greek, it's, it's presbytera, so, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, did you grow up in the Orthodox Church or was that something that you joined later in life? Yeah, um, I I guess now it, it feels like it's been part of my life, like over half of my life. So in some ways, I do feel like I grew up Orthodox, but um, I, I, I was born into um, a Protestant family. So I was raised Protestant. And then um, when I was 14, that's when my dad my dad was pursuing orthodoxy and he wanted us to pursue it as a family. So it came at a really interesting time in my life where, um, you know, it's sort of these, yeah, just, you know, you're coming of age and you're, you're trying to make sense of your world. So it came at a really unique time in my life. Um, not quite a kid, not quite an adult. Um, and so, so yeah, but I, but I grew up, um, we would travel. My dad had always been a seeker. Um, he grew up Catholic. My mom grew up Baptist. And when they got married, they just agreed to um, more or less be just Protestant. Um, they could never, I think because of their differences, they could never totally settle on one denomination, so to speak, but it was always a mainline um, Protestant denomination. Um, and so we would sort of church hop for a while growing up. Um, and that was hard. Um, to never, and maybe that's why later on orthodoxy felt it was so felt so wonderful to feel home somewhere. Um, but we, but because I never felt indoctrinated and I was never formally catechized into one denomination. Um, my grandfather was a Baptist pastor, and he was he was amazing. He was very very. I, we, my husband and I jokingly call him a Protestant saint, <laughs> but um, he was. He, he baptized my sister and I, um, I was nine and she was, uh, I think 11 whenever we were baptized. So, you know, my parents wanted us to grow up having a reverence for, um, the sacraments, you know, even as, even as kids, we weren't really allowed to have communion until, uh, just a little bread and grape juice until we were baptized. And that was, you know, at, at, at um, a little bit as a, an older child, but, so there is a definitely like a reverence for like, hey, these things have meaning. And I think that maybe was born from both of my parents trying to make sense of their backgrounds and trying to figure out, um, trying to instill it in the best way they could um, um, in, in raising us. And so so it was really, um, really kind of interesting. We, we moved to Oregon when I was when I was um, nine 
So a lot happened when I was nine, but, um, and we just settled on a Presbyterian church. So I would say that's where I went. I spent the most time before I became Orthodox um, from like age nine to 16. Um, but we, again, we were never formally catechized. I would never really say I was like a Presbyterian by any means. I didn't even know until way after I was Orthodox what Presbyterians actually believe. So I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. It would have been, you know, in hindsight, you know, I think things make a little more sense, you know, what the Presbyterian church was like. But um, I think it was just sort of my dad was sort of taking a hiatus from seeking um, the, the right church. And um, a lot of people that we had met when we had moved there recommended this church. They were like, you know, let's just go here. The kids need some stability, so we'll just we'll just go here. So um, so I was pretty active. You know, Sundays were non-negotiable. Like we always had to go to church on Sundays. Um, you know, I was sort of I always got roped into going to youth group, so that was just uh, unavoidable. <laughs> and so um, had a pretty normal, I guess, experience with what a lot of you know people my age growing up in a Protestant church might have um, grown up with going to youth group and being involved and everything. But, but yeah, the, the wrench cut thrown in whenever my parents, um, whenever my dad started pursuing the Orthodox church and, um, and it was a, because it was such a foreign thing, it, it took a while. So, so we would go back and forth from go to the Orthodox church one weekend and then go to the Presbyterian church. So that happened for about two years. So so I, I guess I still was going there when I was 16, but by that point I was um, heavily considering the Orthodox Church, but hadn't make hadn't taken the the leap yet. So yeah. Okay, and so a lot of time in the Presbyterian Church prior. Did you also um, spend time in other mainline churches like Anglican, or I guess it would be Episcopalian in the states or Lutheran? Uh, it was mostly like um, non non denominational churches. Like there were oh, never. Yeah, non-denominational or like um, we would go to my uncle's church a lot. And he was a uh, had a he was like the pastor of a community church, which is sort of just non-denominational. So um, maybe we'd go to an alliance church for a little while. Maybe we'd go to um, a house church for a little while. But like it was just kind of interesting. Like um, I can't. I just have these weird fuzzy memories of like going to different churches and always being the new kid and always kind of hating it and like like why do we have to always not really understanding um why why we were always bouncing around and everything um and so so yeah there were there were always um kind of i would say maybe evangelical before evangelical became a big buzzword you know like um that's even the right way to put it, it so i guess just it was weird because by the time i went to college i was orthodox and I was um, or on the cusp of becoming Orthodox and I, I went to an evangelical college and I didn't know any of the, even though I had a Protestant background, I was just like, I'm not familiar with the praise and worship. I, I, it, was, it wasn't the praise and worship sort of, um, I guess, Protestantism, but it also wasn't a, it wasn't a high church Anglican. It wasn't really like, it was just sort of normal, somewhat liturgical, somewhat traditional, but nothing really, nothing too strange. So that's, if that, I don't know. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining it, but um, hopefully that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. So um, your dad was really curious about uh, these different streams of Christianity or um, traditions of Christianity is a better way to say it. And then you were exposed to it as a 14 year old. So there's two questions there. One is, um, was that just of your, like what was driving your dad? Cause that's kind of unique. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what your, what was your experience as a 14 year old encountering the Orthodox church? Because I'll just give a bit more info on that question. I know a lot of people that join the Orthodox church as adults and then uh, raise their kids within the Orthodox church. And the experience for the person converting as the adult is generally different. Well, obviously different, but sometimes it's a lot more positive for the adult that's converting. And then the kid sometimes is like, well, why am I here? And why are we bowing down and doing these strange things? So oh, absolutely. Um, I'd be curious about that as well. Yeah, yeah. So my dad is, I mean, he's, he's like full, full honesty. He's, he's not Orthodox anymore, ironically. So like that just sort of shows you like, and I love him dearly, but like, but he's just, he's still a seeker. I would say he's still, if that gives you any, that's always been his personality, always um, finding the church. I would, you know, like, I would love for him to come back to the Orthodox church. Obviously, I guess I'm just thankful in the end that it did bring him to the Orthodox church. And, um, 
but I think he, it's his own drive and I'm his own, his own kind of like journey. And he's, you know, wanting to know the love of God, wanting to know um, true worship, wanting to know how to experience the love of God. Um, and, and I found it, <laughs> but you know, I, because of his own, you know, his own journey, it's, um, I hope he circles back, but um, yeah, so that's sort of, uh, it's really interesting. It's, um, but you know, my mom, you know, she was just like, absolutely not. What are you talking about? We didn't, we didn't have an Orthodox church in our town at all. Um, he, he had to travel a lot for work and he was, he stumbled upon a little Orthodox bookstore two hours away in Eugene, Oregon. And, um, like quite literally stumbled upon it. I think he just drove by and was like, they had a huge, beautiful mural of, um, and it was called Way of the Pilgrim Bookstore. And it, you know, catches your eye. I think it had like a, a beautiful mural of like a, a pilgrim um, on a, on a, on a journey and everything like that. Um, looks like something that would, like an illustration that would be taken from the way of the pilgrim, uh, book itself. So, um, it catches your eye and I think he's like, whoa, this looks cool. And so he, he went inside and he talked to the bookstore owner and, um, they converted, they would convert the space into a little chapel for services. So it was really clever. It was, um, really, really a tiny church. And, um, and so he was, because he had to travel a lot, he was able to stop by the bookstore um, quite a bit and get more materials and talk more. Um, I think he got to meet the priest. And over time, he realized, like, I want to pursue this. And so he um, sat us all down. I think it was the summer right before school started, or like, yeah, the summer of 1996. And I was anticipating becoming a freshman in high school. And he sat us down for a family meeting. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's this all about? You know? Um, and he, he said, I'm, I'm pursuing the Orthodox church and I would like us to pursue it as a family. And, and I had no frame of reference for what he was even talking about. I'm like, what? Like, dad, what are you, what, what is it now? Like, come on, you know, just sort of annoyed at him. And, um, and again, like I had, I had friends who were Catholic. So I was trying to, in my imagination, just sort of, you know, figure out like, what is it like a Catholic church? What is it like? You know, um, I think I had seen some images of an Orthodox church in like a National Geographic or something like that. So I had some kind of really fuzzy I don't know, recollections of what it might be. But but I still, you know, I'm, I'm a visual person, so I'm trying to imagine what he's even talking about. And <clears throat> and so um, and my mom was not supportive at first. She's like, no, no, no. And, you know, we all we all reacted a little bit differently. But he's like, you know, at least I'd like you to come see what it's like. And so um, I think a few weeks later, <clears throat> we went to our first Orthodox service at this little, um, this really little church. And, and it was really, really beautiful. Like um, all he told us was, you know, just wear long skirts and you'll be fine. And so, so I go and I just felt like I was in a completely different world. Um, and this was a very, very small um, community that was extremely pious. So it, it's, it might even, you know, it, so it, it blew my mind because it was nothing like I'd even seen before. Um, and, but I was very touched by the beauty of the worship. And um, I knew that, I knew that, you know, this was, because I guess to backtrack a little bit, it was, it was interesting because my dad, like, uh, I think in, a few years before that, he had been teaching our, our like junior high Sunday school class. It's a story I like to tell because it just helps illustrate what prompted my acceptance of the Orthodox Church later. Um, but he, I remember he asked our Sunday school class, he said, like, what do you guys think that heaven is like? And, you know, kids raised their hands. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. Kind of quoting that one song by, golly, Newsboys or Audio Adrenaline. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> But, you know, it's a big mansion and we're all playing and we're all, you know, it'll be kickball and football and whatever. And and he's like, he just sort of stops me and he goes, no, we will be worshiping God for all of eternity. And all of us, including myself, were just like, oh, that's so, so boring. Like, what? And I, but I knew in my mind, like, okay, if that's my reaction, then I don't know what worship is. I don't know. I don't know what it is because I want to, I, I know, I know he's right, but um, what I'm seeing upstairs in the sanctuary during the 45 minute service, you know, 
that I saw, I am um, like, that's not, that's not what eternity is. And so I was, um, I knew I, I didn't like my reaction to it, but I knew it was because I just hadn't, I didn't know. And so, um, it prompted a, a question inside of me that was, um, I think, yeah, fast forward two years later. And, um, even though orthodoxy felt very foreign and I felt like, gee, I just want to be a normal kid. I don't really want to be different. I don't really want to be like orthodox necessarily, but I do want to be this eventually. So I was like, this is what I want. This is where I, this, but I, and I absolutely knew like, this is true worship. So I'm like, and because of that, I knew this is where I want to be socially and everything like that. I was still very much a teenager who's like, again, like, I don't want to be different. I don't really know how to tell my friends. This is what we're pursuing as a family. It's a little bit embarrassing. It's a little bit, um, but, but I knew that it was right. And I knew that it was just so beautiful. And, um, and so I definitely felt convicted and I definitely felt, um, like I was maybe seeing my future and stuff like that. But, um, I didn't know it was still so new though. I didn't know what it felt like, what, it, you know, there wasn't anything Sure, we had Hotmail and we had a few things, rudimentary internet at the time, but there is just nothing like the resources that we have now that are, um, so, you know, you can find a community almost instantly, like wherever you go online that helps you feel less alone or helps you like have questions and stuff like that, but, um, which has its, its you know, downsides too, but, but I think that, um, but it made it very, a very unique experience, could feel, could feel very isolating because again, we were going Two, we were traveling two hours every other weekend to go to the Orthodox church. And so I couldn't even tell my friend, you know, if I even tried to describe to my friends what I, we were doing, it was just like, I can't even give them a point of reference. Like for all they know, I'm going to a, some, you know, they, they have no idea. So it, it's, it just felt um, for, for a public school kid who, you know, uh, it was a weird thing to go through, but in, in the best possible way, but um, not without its challenges for sure. Yeah. Right, right. And so from the day that you first encountered the Orthodox Church to the day that you um, like joined, yeah. I don't know if that was as a family or individually, but um, what was that journey like? Yeah. Um, so uh, that it took five years, honestly. Um, it We were going to a um, little church and um, going back and forth. And after about, you know, it took me about a year to realize because that back and forth side by side comparison of like one week at the Presbyterian church, one week at the Orthodox church. And after about, yeah, like a year of that, it became pretty apparent to me. Um, just like seeing that side by side comparison, like, Oh, this is, this is the truth. Like not just in worship, but in, in practice and everything like that, it just became more and more convincing for me. Like, you know, I remember that the Presbyterian service would end and I'd be like, that's it. That's, that's all there is, you know? And, um, and feeling, just feeling that tangibly that the fullness of the Orthodox Church more and more. Um, so that was, um, uh, yeah, for two years. And then like another two years of just, I think, um, just pursuing it and reading. And and um, we still weren't living close to it, though. So we were very limited in how involved we could be. And the what the priest um, at the church, Father David, I really, I really credit him. I, I I don't see this as much. Um, I don't know if this is very unique to my dad's situation, but I think he told my dad, you know, like my dad was very zealous, very fervent. He wanted to join yesterday. You know, he, he wanted to join as soon as possible. And Father David told him, run with patience. Just be patient because um, and wait for your family. And, and again, that's very unique. I don't even see that really advised to many people today, um, which is fine. You know, it works out for a lot of people, but I'm very, very, to this day, I'm so thankful to Father David for having that wisdom, maybe foresight to say, this could really hurt your family if you if you forge on ahead without them. So just run with patience and wait for your family. So um, so he did, so they were taking their time and we, and I think he knew that, that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be until we were able to actually live close to an Orthodox church and be plugged in to the community and the, the life cycle of the church um, that you know that would be optimal so so he waited and um he was my parents were planning on moving moving to portland anyway um after i graduated so they moved to portland after i graduated i was going to school near portland at the at the um uh, george fox university a, a christian college 
And so for the first time, for the first time, I was able to go to an Orthodox church every single weekend. Um, and because of that, my parents moved a few a few months later. So I was there first in Portland, going regularly. And um, uh, my, my new priest, Father Theodore, was just like, you know, you've been pursuing this for five years. We'll just go ahead and um, we'll just go ahead and bring you into the church. We'll we'll chrismate you. And so um, it was January of 2002. Um, I think it was yeah fall fall whenever I started college he he um, made me a catechumen and then um, just a few months later I was chrismated because he's like you know you've been learning for a long time now so um sort of a long wind up in the fast pitch <laughs> so so that's sort of how it went for me so January um, I think the eve of Theophany I was brought into the church and I I, I did come in by myself because my parents were still. Um, they they were still they had like only just moved to Portland and they were still getting acclimated but they were brought in um, just a few months later at Pasca and then um, and then later on my my older sister became Orthodox um, so there was we were trying to pursue it as a family but even then I think there was I, I'm very I'm very thankful there was some allowance for our different situations or different personalities like there was never a huge expectation of like we all have to do this all at the exact same time so. I'm, I'm very grateful my parents trusted trusted God with that and that because I think that you know nobody really wants to be especially a teenager doesn't want to be pressured into things and they want to make sure that they're doing it for the right reasons and stuff so um, so it, it worked out well and eventually within the year we were all brought into the church and so um, yeah yeah it was, um, and we were all able to go to the same church actually which was really nice since my parents were in Portland then and stuff um, but yeah. <laughs> so if you had to summarize the reasons why you joined the Orthodox Church, you mentioned this aspect of fullness that you experienced in Orthodoxy, especially yeah. in that year. Or so when you were comparing the two different liturgies, like the Presbyterian liturgy versus yeah. the Orthodox liturgy. Um, so I'd be, I'd be curious to hear um, what your attraction to Orthodoxy was or how it had a fullness, like if you could specify that. Yeah, yeah. Um... I just remember like Father, like our, our Father David, the priest in Eugene, as I was learning about Orthodoxy, him saying that we have to live Sunday to Sunday, basically from one in, whether we're preparing for Sunday or, you know, feeding off of the grace from the last Sunday. Like it's like preparing for the Eucharist, preparing our hearts, and then this beautiful cycle. And I had never heard it um, explained like that before. For me, it was like, you kind of have before that it was like okay my life is compartmentalized i've got my my school life with my friends i've got you know everything and then and then you know church is kind of a little secret that you go to on the weekend because you have to and it's like that but like but um i did know that i wanted to be challenged my faith i did know that like it was it, it wasn't good to hide your faith it wasn't good to um so i knew that i wanted to be challenged and i just felt like but it can be kind of tricky sometimes whenever you're, um, sometimes when you're Protestant, it's like, well, what do you need to be challenged for? You're saved already. You're fine. Like, you don't really need to do anything. And I'm like, for some reason that, it's not that I obviously don't believe that God can save. Obviously I do. But like, but that never really sat well with me for some reason. I was just like, I don't know why I don't, like, I don't really, I mean, it's pretty, I don't know. It just seems like that's it. Like, you just sort of, I don't know, like, I it didn't make sense to me in my in my brain for some reason just like i don't i don't really think that's it but you know everyone's telling me that it's fine i'm you know saved it's, it's no big deal so it's just like okay well i don't guess i guess i don't have to do anything but with orthodoxy it just made way more sense with like the life of the life of the church and being engaged with it, the life of repentance in the way that the the church calendar reinforces that with the cycles of Lent and with um, seasons of preparation, like for Advent and the and um, the Nativity, and like it just made the world make sense. Like it just made made kind of these little components of Christianity that I grew up with. You hear about Pentecost, but kind of you know, or or these other these other significant things that happen in the Gospel, but like they're kind of like no context. Like these, you know, a, a nice Sunday school topic or a sermon topic, but like kind of floating around and like, but with Orthodoxy, it felt like everything was connected. It just made sense in the life of the church and the life of um, um, the feasts that we celebrate and and um, 
you know, like the Annunciation wasn't something that you just preached on on a random um, July Sunday. You know, it was like, no, the, the Feast of the Annunciation is, is you know, March 25th. That's always like it was just it just made everything make sense, you know, like, oh, these. so I think that in so many ways, it just um, it, it just made sense to me. And um, the the worship, just the, the true worship and that's you know, fitting, I think, of God and reverent and um, and truly holy and seeing the way that the people, the Orthodox people that I had met, live their lives just completely for God. And um, they're just so, there's so much beauty in their life and so much um, humility and joy and everything. So I, I just felt like um, there wasn't any pretense. There wasn't any, um, and, you know, there's still people who are, have their normal flaws and everything like that, you know, um, but but I was really inspired by the way that they were living their life for God, and and it wasn't just a Sunday thing; it was a it was a um, everyday thing. And so, um, you know, they say that in your is it you know in the Protestant Church, but I just, I didn't know what that looked like. So I think that Orthodoxy really just gave the fullness of, of examples of what that could be like and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna summarize or try to summarize, and you can yeah, let me go know for it. Sorry, but <laughs> it sounds like the fullness that you experienced was an integration, and so the integration had um, two aspects. One aspect was that what was being preached and spoken about on Sunday was integrated with people's day-to-day -day lives in terms of having a calendar that they're following with different seasons of feasting and fasting and spiritual disciplines that allowed them to uh, work out. Their salvation rather than it being a one and done event it is something that's um, unfolding throughout your life and you're continuing yes. to get better at and get closer to god hopefully mm -hmm. and yes. then there's yes. the other aspect which is just um in terms of maybe the theology of the church or what's being spoken about there is actually this whole um context that's nested within in terms of i mean i, I kind of mentioned the the calendar already but that those things do have sort of a narrative arc to them that makes sense within orthodoxy. You're not just dropped into the middle of the story without the um, the beginning and the middle and the end. And right, yeah. Is that an accurate summary for you? Yeah, I'd say so, I'd say so. And um, yeah, absolutely. The Just the integration and, and the beauty and the fullness and um, and it, and seeing, seeing everything, people will, you know, like, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk as well, and so I got and and um, so I think that 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 was all the people, the the everything, the theology, just everything made sense. Like I, I sort of always, and I've met some people like that um, who have converted to orthodoxy. They're like, for some reason, I I, I always believe this, but there was never yours. It was never really articulated. It was never really like, you know, but you know, you're sort of if you grow up in a different tradition, you're like, okay, I just sort of have to accept whatever I'm given. But then when you find orthodoxy, you're like, this is what makes sense. Like, yes, this is, this is what I, I think in my heart of hearts, like believe, but it just resounded so, so strongly with, with everything. So, um, and I apologize, I'm not super good at articulating it myself, but it, it sort of felt like, I know a lot of people say it just feels like home when I came through, when I, when I came to the Orthodox church, um, I just felt like it was home. And even though for me, it was, a little bit longer for it to feel like home. It, I can absolutely, um, I, I absolutely agree with that that statement. Just like no, it, it just feels like home. So yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll run another thing by you just to, so you can let me know what you think of it. But it does really sound like um, like if you're writing something, if you're researching something, um, you come up with a, a thesis, and the thesis organizes all the data that's underneath it and mm -hmm. draws it up into itself. And so a good thesis will drop all the data accurately. And if you know the thesis, you're able to make sense of all the little parts. And mm -hmm. so it kind of sounds similar in that within orthodoxy, it is the the thesis as it were, or it's like, I mean, orthodoxy itself actually isn't the thesis, Christ is the thesis, but sure, right. orthodoxy yeah. preserves the gospel of Christ mm -hmm. that makes sense of all little aspects and bits of Christianity, which I think in other traditions, not to sound antagonistic, but mm -hmm. I think it can feel um, somewhat helter-skelter or like, well, how do these things actually connect and get drawn together? And so I right. think that that's kind of the fragmentation that you're referencing. Yeah, yeah, right, right, absolutely. Yeah, it just, um, 
you know, you know, even an example with with Christmas coming up, it's like, oh, so now, you know, when I was when I was before I was Orthodox, it was like, oh, we can we we like Mary now. She's she's nice now. It's okay. We can put her on a Christmas card now and she's okay now. But, you know, if we, you know, if we visit grandma and my my Catholic grandma and she has, you know, an image of the Madonna or the Virgin Mary, then well, it's not really good. But I'm like, well, how why is it okay at Christmas? But it's not okay like every single day, but it's, it's like, it just didn't really make sense. But like, overall, it's like, oh, no, it's okay. You know, um, Mary's okay right now. And we kind of squish in the, the Annunciation and Christmas all at once around, you know, once the, once Christmas rolls around, but it's like, no, so it just, I guess it's one, yeah, example of the fragmentation sometimes just like, like, so when is she good? And when, is, like, but yeah, and, it, and she's just one, one example of, um, the thing that I was, it was wonderful to learn more about her and just um, get the fullness of like, and just, you know, like, like we, we, we treat her with reverence and and she's not just Mary. She's not just, you know, somebody we pull out for Christmas and she's not just um, a vessel, an empty vessel that, you know, Christ came through and, oh, it could have been anybody. It could have, like, I remember growing up sometimes you sort of muse, oh, it could have been me. Like, what if that girl had been me? Oh my gosh. You know, but it's like, no, I love how orthodoxy is like absolutely not. I'm <laughs> just like, no, like she was she was chosen by God because she was really special, and we can look to her as um, inspiring. You know, she 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 can inspire us in our Christian faith because she was the first Christian. She was the first one to literally accept Christ um, physically and spiritually and everything. So it's like, um, and, and so it just it took these concepts that felt kind of yeah like incongruent and just really like solidified it and made sense like oh okay you know this is this is really beautiful so yeah just to give one small example of a small but important example of of where it didn't make sense before but where it really made sense afterwards um and that's just one one example of many different different things so yeah yeah totally totally <laughs> well and it's interesting too like if you grew up protestant and you're reading scripture the interpretation of scripture that you're carrying with you is often in, invisible because it becomes so second nature. And then when you join the Orthodox church and you start to read scripture again, and like if some years pass by, yeah. what's really fascinating to me is like around the devotion to the Theotokos or the Virgin Mary, that it seems as a Protestant that there's nothing in scripture itself that would point in that direction. But yeah. actually in St. Luke's gospel, I mean, it talks a lot about Mary. It in does. The beginning and yeah. about all generations shall call me blessed like right. that's in her song. And right. also that when the angel comes to her, it's like, hail you who are full of grace. And right. so there's all these things that are like very specific to um, the person of Mary in wow. St. Luke's gospel that mm -hmm. I think when you you again when you're not when you don't have that thesis it's hard to actually integrate those aspects and so they um inadvertently uh get rejected and then it seems odd when the orthodox are like well worship worshiping mary not really but right. honoring her and venerating her yeah. but i think that actually um it's, it's a very natural progression there yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so was was art um something that also drew you in because i know that you um, got like an art business and you're very yes, much uh, interested exactly. in that avenue and within mm -hmm. the orthodox church you are confronted when you go in with all these images so is that right. something as well yeah i think that was yeah that was a huge um draw for me just seeing like you know again as a visual person like i i'd, I'd done art all my life ever since i was three i would say i want to be an artist i want to be an artist and so like that was um really important to me and i majored in art in in college um and and so i think it was a, a, a draw for me to see that this was a, a visually just such a stunning church even that little chapel you know like they really really had some beautiful icons they really um they really took it um and actually so they went from during our, our early years there the chapel um they they bought a little bit of property and they um, built a church from the ground up and my dad and i would go up sometimes just to help out um I think I honestly, I probably only went up once or twice, but there is a monk who was, um, who was um, uh, doing some paintings, not icon, icon paintings, but like, not, not icons, but just like um, some of the periphery details. And uh, it was very kind of him. He, he allowed me to, even though I wasn't even Orthodox, but he allowed me to help out with some of that. And I think, you know, knowing that there is a place for art, um, knowing that there is a place for 
like beautiful, beautiful art, and not just like, oh, you know, I don't know, on a PowerPoint or just on a banner or something like that. It's like seeing seeing that the handiwork of like real people and, and the craftsmanship um, uh, and just beauty everywhere and the way that it involved parishioners, whether it's, you know, a, a little inquirer, a young inquirer getting to help out with something, um, with some details on a painting or whether it's, you know, a parishioner who helps out make, make vestments or something like that. Like there is, or, you know, my dad helping with the carpentry of the church or things like that, or, and seeing others pitch in and, and seeing this, you know, grow from the ground up, literally, it's just like, um, I think that was like, oh, it's not just a remote outsource thing that, um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of modern churches are, they have to be practically, that's fine, but, but there's so much human, craftsmanship involved that um it's really beautiful to see so i think that you feel you definitely feel a, a connectedness it's not like a removed outsourcers and it brings a lot of warmth so um i'm sure as a as a young kid as an artistic young kid that was a huge you know i don't think of it now but, but now that you mentioned it, it probably was a huge draw for me to um visually to be drawn in and also to um uh just feel like you know it's it's really amazing to see that it's included in the, the tradition in you know centuries and centuries of liturgical art and things like that so um yeah i think that was that was really wonderful to see to see but yeah mm -hmm. and i know that um just from reading your biography on your website that you do make an effort to integrate your faith with the work that you're doing um not in i don't think just like a, a beating people over the head with it or um a, a propaganda kind of way where you're um, forcing it and it's mm -hmm. artificial. It seems like a natural integration that you're aiming for. So, um, could you speak on that? Cause I think that a lot of people, um, aren't obviously explicitly connected with the church and the work that they're performing, but they want their work to be informed by their faith. And yeah. so have you found ways that, um, might be helpful for other people to, to connect their faith with what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, yeah. Like just in general, like just how 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 can we? Uh, I think. Well, yeah. I think that like when you when you put your faith first in anything that you do, just knowing that I think people are often trying to connect the dots. You know, like so if you if you if you are putting work out there, um, if it can prompt people to ask questions or you know, like oh, I, I'm I'm curious to know more about what inspired this or who the artist was or whether you're an artist or anything in, in the world, just, um, I know that our actions, whether it's art, whether it's just, you know, being in the world and, and stuff like that, just always knowing that you're representing, representing Christ, you're representing the church. Um, you're representing, you, you always want to be a witness. I think just never, never pass up an opportunity. I think to, um, to be a witness or at least, you know, know that even if, you know, even if I do silly stuff or whatever, I always just try to keep it in the context of like, um, like just know that, you know, just try not to be irreverent, try not to be, try not to push it, you, just try not to push it because it can really, you don't want to just cause anybody to stumble. So I think just, just trying to conduct yourself in a way that can be honoring to God and um, whether it's artistic, whether it's secular work, anything, it's just like, just know that uh, I think it stands out whenever whenever you really try to put out good work, really try to work hard. Um, sorry, I just can't get this angle. <laughs> um, but uh, just when you just work hard and you try to put out something beautiful and um, I think that people notice that and people sometimes wanna know more. Like I'd like to know more about, you know, who this person is or I wanna see more of their work. So um, I hope that explains, I, I don't know, a little bit of where I, where I, what I try to put out with my art, um, and yeah, just whatever is good, whatever is holy, or you know, meditate on these things, mm -hmm. pure. And I think that that's, um, yeah, I think people, I think people want that. You know, I think people really notice it, especially these days. Like, um, they notice it more and more when something can be, I don't know. So, just try to focus on creating beautiful things and glorifying God and trying to um, trying to be a witness so that if people do try to make the connections, it might prompt them to ask more questions or prompt them to ask or, you know, yeah, yeah. Look up your website or look something like, I don't, what, what's this person about? I want to know more about who they are. So 
and then just pointing that to Christ and saying, it's, it's really about Christ. You know, it's not even about, about me. So, um, yeah. And I think it's important to, as Orthodox Christians, just, I guess, maybe a change of subject. I'm not sure. Feel free to rein me back in if I am getting too off topic, but I think it's important to, you know, if you're on, like, in whatever you do, just showing, like, it's okay to be a normal Orthodox, like, a normal person and to be, like, but obviously you're putting Christ first and you're, you're, you're strive to, we always strive to, I'm not saying I always do, but like striving to put Christ first, but like he also gave us different personalities. So it's okay to be who we are. We don't have to, once we become Orthodox, um, like change who, change our personality, change who we are. Um, we certainly have things, sins that we need to work on and everything like that. But just, just knowing, like, just try to be comfortable being yourself and trying to um, share what you have, you, you know, your unique perspective with the world, whether it's, again, through art, whether it's through um, whatever work that you're doing, um, just trying to, you know, he takes us as lumps of clay and he, and he forms us and we participate in that by trying to bring the glory um, and beauty back to him. So that makes any sense. So, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll try to, again, summarize and loop in He's a few other that. ideas. Because I thought it was interesting that you speak about being a witness, and um, that is a martyr, and it's the same word. And so it's interesting because that relates in the sense to how someone is living, because it was the first Christians, and, and thereafter, a lot of them were actually killed for their faith. Yeah. But it was in that process that they witnessed to Christ because of the manner in which they lived. And right. so I think that um, if we're able to live in a particular way, it does witness to Christ and that if we're able to do things that are good and true and beautiful, um, that these things participate in God. And so they naturally lead towards God. And yeah. so yeah. it is always important, I think, to be able to also say um, words about Christ and not Absolutely. just yeah. be passive. But right. I do think that um, like truth is its own it doesn't need to defense. I think St. Augustine said that like truth is a lion. It doesn't need to be defended. It'll essentially defend itself um, because the world is oriented around truth. And so if you're acting in a truthful way, if you're acting in a beautiful and a good way, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, like in terms of convincing people or showing that this is a, a good path to live. It, it does seem similar to like soccer players or football players or anyone else, like they don't go around evangelizing and saying, we need more people to play soccer. Why don't you come mm -hmm. on down? It's just that they actually do their craft really well. And yeah, that in the process definitely. of performing their craft really well, it is attractive because people oh. are uh, naturally wired to be connected to those things. So right. I think that if people are in their different walks of life and able to just execute in mm -hmm. the sense of like doing it really well, that that'll, be a great way to integrate their faith and their work which um right. is that sort of an accurate summary of what you yeah, were saying? yeah absolutely right yeah yeah thank you yeah it's a good summary of i think if you're doing yeah and and hopefully my art reflects something that um i mean i do i do do a lot of like outright orthodox art or you know orthodox inspired art and so um that right there is um you know, hopefully is somewhat glorifying to god or you know and i offering but but yeah, it's um, and just the way we live our lives, and um, and yeah, I think of your example of you know, the soccer players or of um, even the, in the, the martyrs, you know, some of them inspired other people, the witnesses of their martyr, like you know, during their martyrdom, they inspired bystanders to just like hop into the, yeah, you, know, you know, experience martyrdom too at the very last second because they were so moved by their love for God and. Um, there's so many accounts of, of, you know, people who were bystanders during a martyrdom and, and just went up to be slaughtered as well, because they were like, and, and without even being like baptized, you know, without even being like, you know, that's very, very unique, a very, um, but it, it just goes to show that, um, you know, I think, you know, just what's that? I know it's, it's a Catholic saying, or he was a Catholic saint, but I think St. Francis said, you know, preach the gospel and when necessary use words. And, and there's certainly a time and place for words. Some people just you know, that's what they, that's what they love. Words are what really help them. And so that's, that's wonderful and great. And stuff like that. So um, everybody needs something a little different. And I'm very thankful that we have so many different people with so many different gifts who can, who can offer those things. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think that your emphasis on being natural or, or being like who you are oh, is really nice good. as well. I mean, and if we want to loop that in with the, the martyr thing, it's, it's definitely possible because right. I think it was St. Ignatius of Antioch, who's like one of the original martyrs. He said yeah. um, something like, I want to be a human being yeah. when yeah. he's on his way to being martyred. Oh, and wow. so there's this notion that in the martyrdom, he's actually going to become uh, fully human. Oh, yeah. Um, because there's degrees of humanity and we can be closer yeah. to what it means or further away from what it means. So Absolutely. Um, I think that idea of being who you are called to be yeah. is like super, super ancient. And yeah. I mean, what sometimes I want to phrase this question carefully, but uh, <laughs> sometimes it seems like there is a temptation for some people that are joining orthodoxy or inter interested in orthodoxy to mm -hmm. become anti-Western mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. reject what, yeah. like everything that they've been sure. brought up with. Right, right. What would be your advice or yeah. or take on, on that? How do you think someone could navigate that? Right. I think there's a normal process that people go through. Um, I've seen so many people convert since my own conversion and, and you do, and I, I went through it too. And I see, and I see other friends go through it or, or, or parishioners now. And there's a, um, a knee jerk reaction. And I think it's part of like, you know, almost like a two-year-old who's like, I want to like, don't tell me what to do. I want to do it independently. Don't tell. And it's like, almost like this, just like a human development, the spiritual development. That's like, I'm trying to figure this out. And, um, and I'm trying to make sense of my world. And right now I just can't have those influences because, um, all I know right now is that it wasn't, it, it wasn't true. And I, I just haven't learned how to, um, you, sometimes it takes a little more time and a little more perspective to be able to look back and be like, you know what, like, like some of these things that I grew up with are actually really special to me. And I don't even know if I would have had faith in God as much as I did that led me to the Orthodox Church if I hadn't had those things. So, so I think sometimes it can just take a while to develop an appreciation for um, the things that nurtured your faith, maybe as a, maybe before you were Orthodox, the things that, um, so I, I think there's a natural, like initial knee-jerk reaction at first, like, ah, you know, get me away from that. And then after a while, um, there can be a little, a softening of just like recognizing like glory to God, like, those hymns that my grandma sang, you know, the, the Protestant hymns, some of them are actually really beautiful and they'll always remind me of her. And I remember how devoted she was and her love for God when I heard, when I, when she sang them. So I might've laughed at them at first when I first became Orthodox, I might've made fun of them or whatever, but like, or any example, but, um, but that, so you sort of have this other stage where you might have some softening toward that and some appreciation, which I think is all good. But sometimes in the convert process, later on, there can be almost a temptation for nostalgia where it's like, oh gosh, you know, orthodoxy sometimes just feels so complicated. I miss those simple days before. And I'm just speaking completely from a Protestant position. I'm sure there's, forgive me, I know there's many other people who are coming from different backgrounds. Um, but I guess you can have nostalgia for anything. Just like, uh, uh, you know, we can think orthodoxy, complicated. Everything else was so much simpler beforehand. So uh, and, and with the example of, you know, Protestantism, like, man, maybe I should just, man, it was just so easy. Maybe I should just, but I think it's always so important to just, just try to hold them in balance. Like it, just because, um, you know, we, we can look back and appreciate things just knowing like we, we still have the fullness of the faith and we can be thankful that they led us, they led us to, um, the Orthodox church and, um, and holding those, just being able to be a little bit comfortable with a little bit of paradox, like, and it doesn't mean, you know, like nothing contradictory to our faith and always, always knowing that like, um, just being like, yeah, you know, uh, having a little bit, yeah, being able to have a little bit of being okay with a little bit of paradox and like, you know, um, so I, I, I've just seen it in my own life as a convert. I've seen other converts and it's just like, you know, um, but the true, the church has the fullness. It has the sacraments that heal us. It has, um, Christ who heals us, you know, and it, it's just, um, he, yes, Christ who heals us in, the, in the, all the the medicine that he offers the, in the sacraments to, to um, you know, he doesn't leave us without nothing. He doesn't say, I want to heal you and then not leave us with the tools needed. So, um, so it, it's, I, my encouragement would just be like, just take your time, just like 
stick with it. And I had the unique advantage of, you know, having to wait five years to be Orthodox. So I think that, um, that it was just our situation. It was just unique. And I wouldn't say everybody has to do it therefore, but I know in the, in the early church, the catechumenate time was a long time, like two years, it could be five years, it could be seven years. I mean, it was just like, or people who, you know, weren't even allowed to do the Jesus prayer until they had been Orthodox for like a number of years and stuff. And it was just, it wasn't to be exclusive. It wasn't to be, I'm better than you or anything. It was just to show like the church and its wisdom was just like, I, I want to make sure that you're absolutely ready because there's so much grace here. And if you're not prepared for this grace, it could do more harm than good. Um, and we see examples of that in the gospel where, you know, people received unworthily and were struck down. <laughs> and it, it, and none, none of these things are here to, you know, tell you I'm better than you. I'm more advanced than you. I'm, but it's just like, just, um, if we try to rush ahead too quickly, um, that can be harmful to us. And if, but if we can err on the side of caution and just be patient and just be, um, just know that the depths of orthodoxy are, are so great and it's not a sprint. It's not, you know, I'm orthodox. I need to go online and order as many icons now as possible. I need, you know, there's so many things that are available, available, available to us now that in the nineties and obviously way before that too, but just like from my perspective, like, you know, like you didn't even have that. You, you went to the Orthodox church. At, if you were, if it was in your town, you were lucky or you have to go two hours and maybe you can get one or two icons or, you know, a book or something like that. But then, you know, you were, or you, you just read what your spiritual, what your priest told you to read it. What there wasn't any choice really. It's like, I want you to read this and that's it. And you're like, okay, he wasn't going to, and, and still priests are still like that. They're not going to, they're not going to recommend you anything that's, that's uh, in the same vein of, advancing too far before you're even ready. It's like there, um, I don't know. So I, I'm getting all jumbled up with my with my references, but I think my advice would be um, appreciate, there's a time to appreciate where you've come from and developmentally though, I think there's sometimes there is that initial like a uh, knee jerk reaction. Like I don't want everything anti-Western and stuff like that. But I think that with time you realize, you know, nothing is gonna make me Greek. Nothing's going to make me Russian. Like I am who I am. So it's like, and I absolutely appreciate the traditions that have been brought, but like, but you know, I am, I am a, a Western person. So I, I really can't hate it as much as I want. So there's a reality that you do have to, again, but un, uncomfortable paradox, but it's like, I am though. And so it's like, um, just, just trying to, to keep the focus on Christ though, and knowing that stay in the church and don't, don't panic too much if you have these thoughts or feelings and just like, just know that, that you're in the right place, you're home and um, it's a process and it's, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So I apologize. I'm, I'm totally rambling, but I, I hope that makes a little bit of sense of to take it slow and steady, slow and steady and um, the depths of which will continue through eternity. Like we just keeping, you know, knowing the depths of God more and more and more and more. Um, it's just beautiful to know that there's no, there's no race. Like, you know, that the depths of God and his love are, are so great that, um, yeah, just take your time. So feel free to cut any of that. If it's way too convoluted, <laughs> like you need to edit or anything, but, um, or if you need to, you know, if I can clarify anything, please feel free to ask. <laughs> well, I like your positive interpretation of um, essentially over caution when yeah, people yeah. might be coming in because there may be certain aspects of their past that they are letting go of, mm -hmm. which is normal. And then there might just be a sense of being overly cautious at first to say, well, I'm not sure what's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just going to let it all go. I'm going to really go on this side. And mm -hmm. then years later, able to reevaluate and reintegrate with some of the things that were beneficial and um, yeah. appreciate those. So I like I like that emphasis. So when you joined the Orthodox Church, were there certain challenges either initially or along the road that you had to overcome? Yeah, like, like I, I think my biggest challenge, like, I know it sounds a little, it's, it's not super deep, but I think um, a challenge for me was, you know, just as a teenager, my friends and like, um, you know, I, I, again, if you, it's just not a cool thing to be involved, you know, it's not a cool thing to be interested in your faith. It's not, uh, you know, I, I had these friends since third and fourth grade, like they were so, they were like my world pretty much and stuff. And so it was very, very hard to, um, 
and and you know my my parents didn't agree about it. It took it took them quite a while to even agree to pursue the Orthodox Church together. They they were at odds for a while, and so it was very hard to even articulate like you know like my parents and, and thanks be to God my parents are still together. My mom is you know still Orthodox, going strong. My siblings are, and I'm very 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 thankful. Um, but at the time it was just like, you know, it wasn't easy. And so I, um, there's no way to art, there's no way to articulate that to my friends. Like my parents are fighting about the Orthodox church and my dad wants me to become Orthodox. And they're like, oh, you want to talk about boys or, you know, we want to like, we're going to the football game on Friday night or, you know, what are you wearing tomorrow? Things like that. Just like, you know, and they, they're at an age where they want nothing to do with, anything their faith and they're they're starting to question their own you know some of them grew up catholic some of them are atheists but the ones who had faith were you know they're starting to question and that's pretty normal and stuff like that but um so i think it was very isolating i would say in a nutshell it was very isolating to um and i i did i did even though i didn't want to compartmentalize my life i still felt like i had to do that because it was like well orthodoxy is two hours away and it's you know something i do you know read about in private but like i'm not going to bother you know uh, and I thought, I remember, I thought as a young girl, I'm like, I'm never going to meet anybody. I'm never going to marry anybody who's Orthodox. There's no Orthodox. It's like, you know, so I just was like, you know, and I think it was right before 2000 and yeah, the year 2000. I mean, it, yeah, obviously it was 96. So it was getting closer and closer to Y2K. And I was like, in my mind, like, I thought the world was going to end. So that was another challenge. So I'm like, I just didn't think I had a future and stuff like that. So there were other weird, weird things going on in the world that made being a teenager, like, not not super easy, but, um, but I, I'm very thankful that the Orthodox church, um, was still there. And it was like, you know, I, it was just, it was a steady influence in my life and, and it became an increasingly influential thing in my life as, as I, um, you know, went through, went through high school and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I, I'd say the isolation. So my heart goes out to anybody who's, you know, a teenager whose family is, is exploring Orthodoxy, or if you live far from an Orthodox church, like, like, yeah, I, I sympathize with you. I know that's, that's really hard. And, um, or like if your spouse is, maybe you're, you know, not interested in orthodoxy, but your spouse is gung ho, you know, guns blazing. They want to become orthodox. And you're just like, you know, can you stop and explain some things to me? And they're like, ah, you know, so it's just like, it can, it's, it's just, I, I feel like our family was hit with a lot of those different aspects. And at a young age, it was, you know, you know, I, I felt like I developed a lot of empathy for, you know, now I've developed a lot of empathy for people in those situations like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, orthodoxy can be really, orthodoxy at that time, especially, but again, before the internet, before there is communities you could even find online, like it, it could be pretty um, isolating and stuff like that. But, but glory to God, you know, I, I, there was enough for me to know that it was, it was the right path. Like it was, you know, increasingly became more and more uh, aware of that. So I, I can't even really attribute that to anything other than, god you know i i glory to god <laughs> so um yeah yeah but i'm very thankful um would you have any um tips or tricks for someone who finds themselves in that kind of situation plus um more generally if someone is exploring orthodoxy in their own right uh mm -hmm. would you have any advice for that person like whether you're somebody who's family member is pursuing orthodoxy and you're not really ready for it or whether you're yeah. yourself. Yeah. Um, I think, um, like if anybody, like if you're pursuing orthodoxy and your family's not ready, just, I, I can't stress, I just have to repeat what our first priest, father David said, and that's just run with patience. If you, if you can, like that your orthodox church, it's, it isn't going anywhere. And, you know, um, and, if it can just help your family even just a little bit to take it a little bit slower. Uh, I know that's so anti, um, I know that's so different from what we see now. People who come in like that and, and, and that's great. That's, that's really fine. It's, um, but, but if you have any family members who might just benefit from a little bit more sensitivity, a little bit more, um, um, and that can mean, that can just mean the world to them. And it might make the difference in their life, whether they want to pursue the church or not. It, it, it absolutely 100% could. So I only say that if people are on the fence of, you know, I, I really want to, you know, I don't know if I should wait or if I should just go ahead and speed ahead. But um, if there's any influence I can have on you, it's just like, just know that it, it might make the world a difference to one of your kids. It might, um, 
whether they become orthodox or not, it just might be like, you know, I'm just, I appreciate the sensitivity and I appreciate that they cared about how I felt. And um, I'm happy they're orthodox now and I want to be orthodox too, or they might not be, but that, that can speak the love of Christ more than anything um, in the end. So if you're in, the, and if you're a teenager in the situation where you want to become orthodox, but you're just feeling like, you know, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to communicate this with my friends. I don't, I don't, I feel alone in this because how many other teenagers have to go through this? Um, I, I, I would just see if you can, um, I don't, I don't just see if you can um, talk to some, I don't know, just make it even just one or two acquaintances at, at church um, of people who you admire and feel like you you, you could trust and, and developing even just like a, just some kind of friendship with them. Um, and one thing that helped me too in those years, um, I had this book about, maybe I, it's my husband. Oh, the daily readings of, this book got me through high school, like honestly. <laughs> I don't even, it's by Light and Life Publishing. I don't even think it's like necessarily available anymore. Daily readings from the writings of St. John Chrysostom. And each each day had just a little excerpt on, like a little from one of his sermons and stuff like that. But there's all these different topics about, you know, just um, how, to, how to be a Christian, honestly, how to be a Christian. Um, and these things, you know, I'm just... I'd go to school, have my normal day, be with my friends and stuff like that. But then kind of right before bed in the dark, I would sort of look at this and it would it would just fortify me. So I, I know we just celebrated the feast day of St. John Chrysostom. And I know people might think, well, he's more of a academic saint. He's more, but I'm like, no, he, I, I personally just feel like um, so thankful that I feel, I feel like he guided me through those those years of trying to figure out orthodoxy, trying to know learn what it means to be a Christian, um, an orthodox Christian especially. Um, this is by Father Anthony Cagnaris of Blessed Memory, and I don't know if you're familiar with him or his works, but he was made such a point to try to get Orthodox materials out um, in the early days of, you know, before there was really anything even available in English. And he really wanted to make sure that um, these things were accessible and readable and just these, I think all of his writings and his sayings were just always shown with God's love. Like he just wanted to make just let people know that. So, so if you ever are able to, if you ever come across something by Father Anthony Cunyars, it's very simple. It's not, um, um, but it's 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 just so good. And he had such a heart for evangelizing in in America before it was um, what it is today, and stuff like that. So, um, Light and Life Publishing. I, it's not around anymore, I don't think. But it a lot of really good titles. So, but this got me through. If you can even just find a little devotional, a little a little. Sorry, this angle is so weird. It's like reverse, but not okay. There we go. But if you can find something like that, that can get you through each day at night, reading your Bible or um, reading the lives of the saints. I know there's some wonderful calendars now that uh, reading the lectionary. Like those are those are awesome tools um, just to stay connected each day and and learning a little bit more about the Orthodox Church. And the, the awesome thing is that year by year, it just gets reinforced more and more, doesn't it? Like you know, you're like, oh, I. Okay, I, and even even I'm still just like, oh yeah, why do I always forget that we have, you know, like the trio on? Why do we always forget that? I was like, I'm still, I'm still, it's still being reinforced after 20 years. Like, and that's the beauty of the church is it's like, if you don't get it this year, you'll get it the next year, right? Maybe you'll get it two years from now, ten years from now. But and that's, um, it's so it's so wonderful to see like, like, you're 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 gonna be around, right? Like you're gonna the Orthodox Church isn't going anywhere, and if you're not going anywhere, then then that's wonderful. Like you've got time. <laughs> so, so there's, um, there's no need to, uh, I think one thing that we can do in our Western and Western mindset is just, um, and especially we have information at our fingertips now, which just is a huge game changer, but you know, we just, we just want to, you know, we just want to get all the information. We want to do everything right. And we just, just, you know, give me the, yeah, I don't know. Just, just give me the information and, and I'll do it. Just give me the information. And I'll do it. And it's like it's it's really not that simple. It's like I can give you the information, but it 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 with with, with the church and with the Eastern mindset and when it, when it comes to learning and things like that, it's like this is this is ongoing. And I you know it can't just be. It's not just book knowledge. It's not just. Um, it's a wonderful start. It's an absolutely wonderful start. But like you know, Orthodox praxis, like it's something you have to live out. Like it's not just here. It's. Um, it's here and it's 
not always fun and it's not always glamorous and it's not always, um, you know, it's, we see that throughout all the lives of the saints throughout the gospel, just like, it's not, it's not fun. Like, it's not always fun. You know, once the newness of things wear off, it's just like, um, but it, it, is there grace? Absolutely. And that's what it's, and, and that's what it's all, all about, you know, like stay, just stay the course and, and fight the good fight and, and, um, be inspired and, and cling to, cling to Christ and the, and the lives of the saints and the Theotokos. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I, and we can kind of think, even you, I, you know, I can fall into the temptation of thinking, well, I've, I kind of know everything now. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, like I, I sort of, I, can, I get the gist. I know even with my, you know, you go to confession, like, I know what my spiritual father is going to say. It's like, it's like, no, no. Like that's where we can get caught up sometimes. Like, okay, I, I, I know this already, but it's like, you know, God, God has a way of, usually has a way of bringing us back and humbling us and, and um, showing us that the new depths of, him and the new depths of ourselves and what we need to work on. Like there's no, there's no end to it. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing, you know? So, yeah, I say that all is encouragement, hopefully, you know? Absolutely. Well, that is a lovely place to conclude for today. I'm sorry, 105. Uh, yeah. Catherine. So yeah. I want to thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Tonight. Thank you so much, Max. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for checking out that episode of the Orthodox Christian Podcast. If you want to check out Presbytera Catherine's work, there is a link in the video description. If you have a question about Orthodox Christianity, there is also a link to a Google form. And if you got any kind of value out of this episode, I would appreciate it if you passed it on to one friend or family member. And in the meantime, I hope that you have a peaceful week. Take care.